Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back. I have Jeff Stern joining me on the podcast today. Jeff, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, John. For sure. So first question, as has become, uh, I guess, pretty standard um, for the last, I don't know, 60 episodes. Uh, who is Jeff? Jeff is a dog lover, a runner, a coach, a human, an athlete, um, someone who just loves life in general. That is awesome. And you like running pretty long distances. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I think I'm getting up there a little bit. I'm relatively new to ultra running, so I haven't tackled the 100-mile distance or the multi-day or anything like that. But uh, recently pushed myself to run the longest I have ever before, and uh, it was a pretty awesome experience. So you ran um, the Backbone Trail um, and scored the FKT uh, in 11 hours, 10 minutes, and 39 seconds. Um, talk to me about why Why did you want to go for that? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think like most people during this year, especially athletes and ultra runners, you know, we've been trying to find new ways to challenge and push ourselves. And obviously, fastest known times have been pretty safe, socially distance or sorry, excuse me, socially distant, uh, you know, endeavors and uh, Backbone Trail is local, relatively local to me here in Southern California. And it's something I've always admired. Anything that traverses a, an entire mountain range and is point to point has always been appealing to me. And um, yeah, decided I really wanted to get a crack at, at one of those longer distances. I had done 100K last year and wanted to give another one a go. And this is a little bit longer than 100K, but I felt like it was in my wheelhouse and training had been going well and it just made sense uh, to, to go for it, especially being so close and being able to get down on the course and, and recon it and really learn the ins and outs, I think, uh, made sense from a logistics standpoint to to give it a go. Awesome. Um, so... I want to dive more into that, but um, before we get there, let's sort of paint the picture a little bit more. Um, do you remember your first run? First run in my entire life? Yep. That's a great one. Um, you know where my mind goes is I, I grew up in the Bay Area, and I remember running the mile around the Little League baseball fields during uh, PE, I think, and... I just remember always always being pretty swift on my feet and I was a smaller kid and I think it was a a skill that came naturally to me and I never never ended up tapping into it. I guess growing up too much, you know, I didn't do cross country or track and field, but I do always remember that moment of, of running my first mile and I, I can picture Boyle Park and, and the field in Mill Valley and uh, I think it was probably four around four laps around the field. And it was just a just a good feeling. So I think 
you can you can say I've, I've I've been a runner since then, but not a not a dedicated runner like I am today. Where did that um, genesis come from? I think more recently, just um, the simplicity of running and the freedom of it that it provides me, and it's always been a good um, good time to think and especially as I've become a coach and coaching high school cross country, I think running myself aligns a lot with, with kind of learning about how the body works and, you know, all the different elements that come into play and, and becoming a better coach and just a, you know, a better athlete and person in general. And what is it about the, the ultra distance and, and hundred Ks and eventually as you alluded to a hundred miler that, um, that does it for you versus the marathon or the 5k? I think you really get a chance to experience all the lows and all the highs that you kind of have on a, you know, a daily, daily life spectrum, or, you know, even, um, you know, a couple years or your entire life, it really feels like you're out there and, the conditions are constantly changing. Um, you know, you're you're always in a new place, both physically on the trail, uh, in the woods, in the mountains, but also also mentally. You know, you you really go from from feeling amazing, like you can you can tackle the distance, you can tackle the challenge, no problem, to some sort of obstacle popping up and forcing you to recalibrate and reevaluate and and come up with a, a new plan to get through it and, and get back to that um, kind of level-headed feeling. It really uh, becomes a transformative experience. I think especially I've found the longer that I go, you know, the more types of those um, different changes that happen. And it, I think a lot of people say, you know, running 100 miles or running a really long distance is experiencing life in a day and um yeah, I can definitely I, I can definitely say that I, I've had that um and you know I had that on the backbone and you know as you're building up I feel like you can you can have that even in your your initial first trail run or marathon or 50k and it's all about where you're at in the moment and um yeah just really appreciating those those constant kind of changes that are always being thrown your way and, and how you're able to adapt and and, and move forward and, and keep keep the progress going. So I really, I really enjoy that. And I think as I methodically build towards, you know, running a hundred miles one day, I know that uh, when, when that day comes that it'll be, you know, even more so than, than kind of what I've described and, and what I expect it to be. So I'm looking forward to it, but trying to take a, a smart approach to it and keeping healthy and, and, you know, all the little things that come along with it. Yeah, I love that the the life in the day analogy, or or like the riding the ebbs and the flows of of how it works. I think surface level or at its surface, it's like, well, why would you enjoy the not fun stuff? But I think the the reason that the fun stuff is as fun as it is is because of the delta between the high, the lows and the highs. And I I remember um, one of the first podcasts I did was with Magda Boulay. And she talked about finding flow and like when, when you get into that moment, it's all worth it, but you can't get there without the training and you can't get there without experiencing those lows. And if you could just like bottle up that feeling of when it's, when it's really good, 
like that like that that's aspirational that's like okay i want that i I need more of that and um I, i personally i think that that that's what makes it all worth it yeah i couldn't agree more i think you know those struggles or those those low points you know, almost where you're, you're taking a half step or even a a full step back, it feels like in the moment are, are critical to the entire journey. And and really, I think a lot of people would tell you, and I know I would, I would say it is, you've got to have those, those almost in the moment, negative feelings and and doubt to really appreciate um, kind of all the success and, you know, finding that flow and really feeling like you're floating. I mean, when you're, when you're flowing, you're not even really running, you know, you're just kind of fundamentally being and, and really enjoying just everything around you and it, and it forget, and you kind of forget that it's, that it's a run or an FKT or a race or whatever it is. And I think for a lot of us runners, that's, that's why we keep coming back for more because it does tend to be fleeting, but you know, it exists, you know, it's there. And, um, yeah, I mean, tapping into that is is an incredible feeling. I don't I don't know that there's anything better than that in life. For sure. So, talk to me about backbone and um and and what that what that trail was like and sort of how the how the day unfolded. Yeah, I mean, I guess the trail um it runs just a little background on the backbone. It runs from pretty close to downtown LA and Pacific Palisades, Will Rogers State Park, uh, all the way up and over and across the entire Santa Monica mountain range, which is above Malibu, more or less, and, and ends in Ventura at, uh, at Point Magoo. So it's kind of goes through a lot of different terrains. You know, there's wooded kind of chaparral, there's very much, um, kind of the Southern California spiky, um, you know, succulents and, and those kind of plants out there. Um, there's even a little bit of kind of that NorCal vibe. You get some, some deep wooded forests. So it kind of, it really covers a, a wide range of terrain and, um, lots of ups and lots of downs and, and steep and twisty and curvy. So it's really, it gives you a little bit of everything. And, for me, uh, you know, living just up the road in, in Santa Barbara, we have some similar terrain and I felt like, you know, training at home really made sense and applied uh, a lot of my skills towards, you know, having success on the backbone. And, um, you know, when the, when the day came, I, I felt pretty much as prepared as I could be. You know, I think you could always have a few more weeks or a couple more long runs, but, uh, mentally I just remember feeling the whole, the whole week leading up to it. I was ready to run. I didn't really have any, any nerves or anything. I just wanted to get out there and, and get a chance to connect all the, the different sections of the trail and, and put them together in a, in a nice, uh, nice, beautiful run. So, um, yeah, that was kind of, kind of the thoughts on that one. Cool. Um, what was the lowest point of the day? For me, I think I always struggle mentally with approaching and cresting the halfway point of any kind of long run or event. Uh, I guess it could, it doesn't matter whether it's a 5k or a hundred K something about getting really close to that, that middle section. I don't know. It just in, inside me, I, I tend to like, um, struggle or battle with the whole 
you're only halfway done, but you're also halfway done. You know, like there's that positive and that kind of negative connotation. Um, And I think it's something I could still work on. And I I just remember getting there thinking, wow, like I'm starting to feel it a little bit. And I know, you know, the wind, we had kind of a little bit of an inclement weather weekend, a couple weekends back and, and the winds were picking up and, you know, it was, it was, it was getting to that point where the struggle was definitely real, but, um, you know, I did supported. So I had some pacers and a good crew with me and I rebounded pretty quickly. And, you know, before you know it, you're over the halfway point and you're like, you're, you know, you're, you're ticking off miles and you're like, okay, now I'm closer to the finish. And, um, you know, I guess it wasn't really like a true low point where I was, you know, forced to be walking or anything like that, that really slowed me down. But it was just like the realization that, okay, you're, you're in it. This is what you signed up for. This is what you wanted. Like now, how are you going to respond? And I was actually really proud of myself for not letting that, you know, bring me down or, or or kind of bring me to somewhat of a halt. And I, I kept pushing and actually picked up the pace a little bit and started putting a lot of time into the current FKT kind of right around that, that midway point. I had known in the back of my mind that cause I really studied, um, Jeff Browning was the athlete who had the FKT before me and I really studied his splits and his file. And I knew that he slowed pretty significantly right around that, that halfway point, right where I was starting to feel it. And so I just dug deep and and realized that this was the time to to really put some time um, in the bank and yeah just kept chugging along and and move past that that hurdle. Cool the um, the the middle middle of whatever it is challenge or whatever um, I I find that to be particularly difficult too. It's like all right now it's time to just not screw it up for the rest of, uh, for the rest of the time. I have, I have a buddy who, um, so I used to be, or I am still part of a group called November project. And, um, we would run Harvard stadium every Wednesday morning. And I remember we were going for the fastest time around the stadium personally. Um, and I forget what the scenario was but he was basically like you've come this far like standing right in the middle like you've come this far don't screw it up now and it was it just like put the whole thing in perspective like you've already done half of a block of work whatever the the work was um honor that and keep on pushing essentially yeah you know when you're you're kind of over the hump and you're you're really deep into that kind of unknown um feeling and territory well i guess not unknown but like in the moment it's unknown right if you're doing your longest distance or you're trying to tackle some sort of pr or or whatever it is it's as long as you have that faith that you kind of are gonna you know come out of that with a little bit of an altered perception of like what what's possible for yourself and and knowing that you kind of have to get close to that bottom to get there um I think it, it really helps propel you forward. Definitely, definitely helps me for sure. Definitely. So, um, what was the distance of backbone? It's just under 68 miles. Got it. So you crossed the hundred K was that your, was that your longest run you said? Yeah, it was, it was my longest run. I had done, um, black Canyon in 2019. And so, yeah, once I went over the hundred K mark, it was, 
officially my longest run. And, you know, I thought I was going to think about that a little bit more on the day, but it, it didn't even really cross my mind. Um, at that point, <laughs> at that point, I, I knew I was so far ahead and we had just finished um, a big descent and there were some, some bike support and some other friends that had kind of come in to, to run the last few miles that I wasn't even focused on that, that point until, you know, a couple of days later, I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. I, that was right around when I crossed over my longest run. So, um, it didn't end up being as big of a deal as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, speaking of long, you said that eventually the hundred mile distance is a goal of yours. What, what is it about going that far that, um, that in- intrigues you? I think back to like jumping from 50 K to 50 miles and knowing, you know, you're almost doubling what you're running. Right. Um, and then the, the transition from 50 miles to hundred K is not, not a huge jump, but then, you know, here we are again at that kind of moment where, okay, you know, most, most steps forward involve going 100k to 100 miles and you're you're kind of in a way replicating the the 50k to 50 mile jump and i think there's a lot of uh you know that's 30 40 miles there's a lot of room for error there's a lot of room for success there's a lot of room for kind of back to what we were talking about just the unknown and the challenges and the obstacles and um i just that really excites me like in my mind going on these adventures and running these ultras and these FKTs really mean taking on risk and uncertainty. And I, I feel like it's, it's in those moments that the most growth as an individual is available and you really get a chance to stretch yourself as a being, as a human and your soul in so many new ways. It's, it's kind of hard to describe, but I know when I'm in there that it's, it's really good for me ultimately, both as like a runner and just as a person. So you know, with a little bit more experience and some more miles in the legs, I think I'll be ready to tackle it physically. And then it's just a question of, of mentally chipping away at it. And I know it won't be easy. It'll be hard, but I think that's, that's ultimately why I do these things. So, um, yeah, I just, it's, uh, I, I feel excited just talking about it. So I know that it's something that I, I definitely want to do at some point. Cool. Um, what do you do from, do you do any sort of mental training? Uh, you mean like with a, with like a mental performance coach or just like on my own solo? Yeah. Just in general, some people practice visualization, some people practice gratitude. It, it sort of depends, um, on, you know, resources and objectives and goals and whatnot. Um, but I'm curious if there's, if there's some, some level of of intentional um practice when it comes to the mental side yeah you know i i do meditate a little bit every day um and i think a part of of meditation um is is connected to visualization i know you know when you're meditating you're kind of unplugging and just just being and and not really you know worrying about anything that's going on in the world or externally Um, and I think that does help with focus and visualization and, and kind of whatever you're doing kind of next in your day or or whatever is lined up in the future. So 
I wouldn't say that I, I spend a ton of time doing that uh, on, a, on a weekly or monthly basis, but every day I do, I do a little bit of meditation and I think that that helps for sure. Cool. Um, one question that, uh, or one topic I like to cover on here is balance and understanding how both professional and non-professional athletes approach balance, um, specifically in regards to running and life. Um, so what is, what is your relationship with, um, with balance? I feel like I, I have a pretty balanced lifestyle. I mean, I don't, you know, quote unquote, have a, a real or full-time job. I guess that's, that's changing and has changed a lot this year for everyone too. But, you know, I do a little bit of online coaching. I coach, um, kids at a local high school for cross country. Um, I do a little bit, um, I guess, professional running. Um, I also do some writing and I do a little bit of freelance um, kind of marketing work for some brands in the outdoor space. So that's quite a, quite a collection of things. And I think just by the virtue of, of doing all those things, I, I, find, a, I find a good balance. Um, I also have a couple dogs, so I'm always out there kind of unplugging and, and trying to see the world through their eyes and they're, they're constantly, you know, joyous, let's play all day, every day kind of vibe. So, um, I think that keeps me pretty grounded and balanced. And, um, at this point in my life, I really can't imagine ever doing something full time, I guess you could say. I really enjoy being able to plug in and plug out of all the different things I just mentioned. And, um, I think it allows me to, have you know a better focus on each one that I do because it's not you know all encompassing I'm not thinking about each one of those you know all day every day it's like uh, a little bit here and there and that really allows me to have a, a fresh perspective when I do kind of jump into whatever it is I'm working on with all those different um, kind of responsibilities how'd you get into the coaching side of it you know, a buddy of mine asked me to help him coach this high school cross country team about five years ago. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, I'd love to love to get involved and um, work with kids. I feel like working with kids is a, is a great way to um, I don't know, rejuvenate yourself and, and get a little bit of youthful energy. And, you know, as I get older, it's it's important, I think, to to connect with the, the new generation or the next generation. So that's how I first got started in kind of the running coaching world. And then I don't remember specifically, but I'm pretty sure one of the parents of one of the kids on the team said, do you do any like adult coaching as well? And I was kind of like, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? And so I started helping one of the, the adults get more into running and it just kind of proliferated from there. And yeah, I, I it's hard to, hard to imagine turning back now. <laughs> Um, how have you and your athletes been managing 2020? Yeah. Um, particularly the, particularly the high schoolers. I'm, I'm curious on, um, on that. You know, typically high school cross country, you know, would start serious training in the summer. And then obviously as we're getting close to the fall season, we'd be ramping up workouts and, um, you know, meets would start happening and, with everything that's going on, obviously none of the summer training happened and, and there's no, no meets in the foreseeable future. And so we actually just started practices a couple weeks ago. So it was 
definitely a strange fall. I feel like I was helping some of the kids do training on their own, right? A lot of the kind of the ones that were, you know, more used to a heavier load of training were really antsy for it. Um, and I think right now they're just really grateful that we are able to have practices and cross country is one of those sports where, you know, we're outside and more or less right. there's plenty of space for everyone to social distance and, and be safe and whatnot. So I think a lot of the kids, I'm just really impressed with them. Honestly, like they have a great perspective despite, you know, all of the unknown and kind of the wrenches thrown in their typical day-to-day lives. And, um, I just really have seen them kind of grow up quickly and, and have a, a much more mature attitude than I feel like I would have had at their age about everything going on. So, uh, I've been really impressed with them and, and they've been very dedicated, even though, you know, we haven't been practicing at full strength or really have anything, you know, on the calendar to work back from. We're just out there focusing on, on getting exercise and, um, you know, doing a little bit of speed here and there and, and building some strength and kind of some of the auxiliary stuff so that, you know, whether we return in the new year or whether this is all work being put in for fall 2021, I think they all have a great perspective on that and realize it's, it's a great time to work on weaknesses and, and focus on what they can control and not let a lot of kind of the variables that are totally outside our, our control, um, you know, dictate how they're thinking and feeling and acting and and just going about it from a, a day to day, um, perspective. Yeah. The, the ability to just like put in a lot of miles is, um, unique. I was talking with Neely Spence Gracie yesterday, who's a professional marathoner. And, um, I think she's, I think she's 30 years old and she's like, I've never, I've never had this long of a base season. She's like, <laughs> I, I think she said that the the last time she had a period like this was, um, high school or college. So, you know, almost or more than 10 years ago. And she's like, this is for me, fantastic. And a confirmation that like, I just really love running. <laughs> and we were just having a phone call and I like, wish I, I wish I recorded it. Um, cause it was, it was so interesting from, from a professional standpoint of saying like, look, this is, this is, this can be useful. And the work that we're doing now just builds and builds and builds into whatever it is that's next. Um, so I think, I think that some people get to that place really easily and they're either intrinsically motivated or focused on the overall process and, and they're not tied to a specific goal. Um, but I'm curious if you have any athletes you coach, or maybe it's been your own experience where, um, not having something on the calendar is challenging. And what was the, what was the coaching that, that you provided to that athlete? Yeah, I've definitely struggled with wanting, you know, especially when things are not on the calendar and a big race or some sort of goal is not there kind of staring you in the face, um, to just go out and, and hammer, you know, right. Kind of like unnecessary destruction where it's, there's no, there's no, no easy days. There's a lot of quantity and maybe the quality is not really there. Um, and I think kind of what you were, what you were relaying is, this this long drawn out endurance year that we've all been more or less provided is a is a great way to kind of refine that you know aerobic system and really and really build a strong foundation for uh, 
for the future. And, you know, I, I definitely have athletes that are, you know, jonesing and wanting to do FKTs or time trials. And I think those definitely have a, a good, good place in the schedule and in the calendar. But, you know, just like any kind of racing season, you want to strategically plan those and build appropriately and, and not dig yourself too big of a hole. So I think just reminding them, um, you know, that everyone is more or less in the same place. And, um, you know, this wasn't, wasn't the year that everyone got everything that they wanted, but, you know, it's a year to be, to be super thankful and grateful for what we already have and, and being healthy and being able to just go out there and, and like you said, enjoy the run and, and put in the miles and, and realize that things will come back. And, and when they do, um, they'll be even more, more ready than they could ever imagine. And, um, I think people will, people will be lining up at races in whether it's 2021 or 2022 and the fire will just be burning even stronger for everyone. And, and there's some sort of collective, um, you know, kind of feeling when everyone has those sensations that will just help us all rise to a new level. So I think this, this may be, you know, I alluded to like taking a half step back, like this year might be kind of a half step back, but uh, ultimately it's going to propel us so much further, you know, down the road that I think um, having that kind of long-term perspective will be, will be uh, so beneficial. It's hard to even kind of put numbers or um, statistics on it. Yeah. When this all started, I had Shalane Flanagan on the podcast and I asked her, I was like, well, how are you and your athletes focusing? And and the phrase she used is stuffing the silo. Like we don't know what's coming. And there was so much unknown. This was uh, end of March. And, and she's like, we don't know what's coming, but you know, it's always true that consistency will bring better results. So let's just be consistent for a very long period of time. And, and it'll be fascinating once races start again with something that's, you know, so objective, like, like what is the, the 2021 BQ standard going to look like or 2022 BQ standard? It's either going to be much faster or much slower because people either, you know, at scale got better or got worse. And I have no idea what it's going to be. Um, selfishly, I hope it's slower so I can finally get in. But um, <laughs> um, it was just, you know, 70 seconds too slow last year. But um, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see, you know, how many course records go down and how many more FKTs are set or if there's, um, you know, a slip back into a bit more normalcy from, uh, from a, a results standpoint where everyone's just racing all the time because they can eventually. And I'm getting excited just like thinking about this, that like we're going to be able to do it again. Um, Cause I, I miss that, um, you know, race weekend camaraderie and the, the post-race beers and all that stuff that um, nobody has, you know, had the privilege of, of enjoying um, in any sort of normal setting this year, unless apparently you live in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I think everyone is just super excited with the anticipation to get out there and make those new connections at events and races and, and see, you know, where all their hard work is paid off. And, you know, I have a lot of friends that do coaching of various sorts. And, you know, there's always going to be some drop off. And I think, you know, some struggles with retention and motivation and all that. I think that's 
that's common even in a in a given in a normal year, right? But I don't know. I, I do feel like just in the in the last few months that the perspective of people has fallen in line to what you were saying, where hey, consistency really does count, and it counts for a lot more than you might think. And if there's ever been a year to be consistent, like this is the year because yeah, you know we're just gonna gonna come out of this and and um, just have all this pent up energy and excitement and stoke and appreciation for all the people that we don't know that we're looking forward to meeting and connecting with. And, um, I don't know, I, I feel that amongst my friends and, you know, you know, people like you that, you know, maybe we've met or maybe we've crossed paths, but like, you know, now I'm, I'm really excited to see you whenever the next time or the first time that'll be. And I just, I just feel a lot of that energy. And, um, I think people are really, are really jonesing for it, but they realize, um, that, you know, now is not quite the time, but we're getting, we're getting closer and that kind of positive thinking and, and vibe is, is super important and is, is really contagious. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that like some of the, some of the challenge that we've had this year is that like it is all so unknown or it has been all, it, it has been so unknown. And I saw uh, an article, I think it was in the New York times and it was talking about how the human brain is not equipped to understand um, something that doesn't have uh, like a tangible end. Mm -hmm. And for so long, this, um, this pandemic has not had a tangible end. And within the last, you know, week or two, there does appear to be a tangible end. And so you've felt this like dramatic shift of, people actually, as you said, feeling hopeful, feeling excited, feeling like there is an end um, in in the works um, is super cool. And it makes me think of these like last man standing races mm. where there isn't an end. And I think I'm going to need to have another little chit chat with Amelia or, or Courtney um, to, to understand the, the um, carryover between the lack of an end to the pandemic or whatever, and the lack of an end to an actual race where um, like it, that part is so fascinating that, that you can start something that you don't know when it's going to end. Totally. And you, you just kind of keep your head on straight and, you know, doing the things that you can do and control the controllable and just be respectful of everyone around you and knowing that everyone is kind of going through it in their own way. And, um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be learned from this and, uh, life, life is clearly an ultra marathon this year. feels like <laughs> at least a marathon, if not a hundred miler ultra marathon of some sort, but I don't know really what, what group of people is better at epitomizing kind of that type of challenge than, than ultra runners. So I think it, it makes sense and it aligns for sure. Yeah, it's like you signed up for a 5K and it's turned into a last man standing. <laughs> <laughs> um, switching gears a little bit, uh, what do you wish you knew when you started running ultras or trail running that you know now? I wish I knew that there were so many more things that were vital to success beyond just the, you know, one foot in front of the other, like, running and moving forward obviously it boils down to that but 
there's just so many elements, right? Like the nutrition and the hydration and the pacing and the, the strategy. And even, you know, before race day, the, the extra strength and mobility and sleep and recovery, right? I mean, that right there is almost a dozen different things that I think really come into play when um, trying to set up a successful plan to not only enjoy the day, but get the most out of yourself. Um, and especially the longer ones, right? Where again, going back to, there's so many things that can go wrong. And if you have this foundation that you've built, you know, over the course of months or years of training, um, really allows you to kind of dig through and, and grind through the, those tough moments. So, I, I mean, this is, I think probably my third or fourth year running ultras and, first couple of years, I just honestly had no idea what I was doing, right? It's like, oh, let's go out and, and run and, and see what happens. And now, I mean, this FKT really solidified for me that the whole process and buildup is really the, the hard work that you're putting in so that, you know, on race day or on FKT day that you, you just go out and um, you, you have fun and you kind of execute off, you know, everything that you've, you've, you've put in and, um, yeah, it, it all kind of come together at that point. Cool. Um, let's say fast forward 10 years. What are you really proud of? In 10 years, what am I going to be really proud of? I think, you know, I, I plan to keep coaching. So I think it'll be really cool to, you know, see, all these high schoolers and, and see where they're at, whether it's in their running lives or, you know, in their professional or, uh, you know, social lives, having great success and, and knowing that hopefully I played a, a small part in, in helping them become, you know, amazing adults and, you know, active members in our communities. And maybe some of them will be coaches themselves. And I don't know, I remember back to when I was in high school and, I played mostly ball sports, baseball and soccer and tennis and football. And I just remember uh, a coach that I had, his name was Scott Evans. And I always looked up to him and, and thought he was just the greatest guy in the world, you know, mid thirties, probably still figuring out life, just like, you know, most of us in our thirties are. But, um, I just remember thinking, man, I want to be like Scott one day. And so I guess my hope would be that like in 10 years, there's, you know, a handful of, of kids, out there that remember their cross country experience and are, you know, look and remember me fondly and are, you know, trying to emulate, emulate, emulate me in some way. So I guess that would be my, that would be my main goal for 10 years from now. Cool. Yeah. It's the legacy aspect that, um, keeps coming up more and more, which is, uh, which is super cool. Yeah. And of course, you know, I want to keep racing and pushing myself and all that, but I, I don't know, I think, um, inspiring others and, and helping uplift, you know, the next generation or just people in general, general is, is definitely more important than, you know, any FKTs or, or race wins or anything like that. Um, that's all very much secondary for me. Very cool. Um, and so you also mentioned that you do some writing. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I um, do a bit of freelance writing for Ultra Running Magazine, mostly, you know, human interest stories, um, athletes that, you know, maybe don't don't get a lot of press, try and shine some light on them, or even some of the, the photographers and content creators in the sport, um, you know, 
putting their their face on an article and and showing everybody like who the who the humans are behind these people that are out you know taking photos and and giving us all this this cool um you know content to remember our experiences by so i really enjoy uh kind of like yourself interviewing people getting to know people finding out what makes them tick and and trying to trying to tell a cool story and have enjoyed doing that for i guess about the last year year and a half or so and um, have a wonderful editor in Amy Clark at Ultra Running Magazine that's super receptive to kind of any ideas that I throw her way, and it's been it's been really fun for me to kind of do that side of the sport as well. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned there is um, uncovering sort of human interest stories that people other people aren't covering, and it's it's sort of like a um, it's a tough balance between covering like super well-known stories and, and, you know, people who anyone will click on and, and these compelling, you know, lesser known people. And it's something that like, I think about a lot with the podcast and, and, you know, guest selection, how do you choose who's going to be on and who do you invite and whatnot? So I'm curious, what's your, what's your approach to that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of different ways. It could be through doing your research and looking, you know, in a, a more typical year, looking at race results or, you know, researching on social media or just seeing what connections you have and, you know, kind of a friend of a friend of a friend type thing. Um, but ultimately, I, I think I'm looking for people that are maybe a little bit more introverted and and less likely to kind of put themselves out there and so I kind of you know like tap them on the shoulder and poke them a little and say hey I think I think people would really resonate with with your story if you if you're open to chatting or you know having a conversation and um so yeah kind of I mean I guess the main the main column I started with with ultra running magazine um uh, called diamond in the rough so like someone who I think clearly has a lot of talent and a lot to give and a lot to share and um, just kind of trying to trying to bring them out of the rough and, and into the limelight for at least a, a brief moment. <laughs> cool. Well, if we want to follow along with you and your journey and um, any future endeavors, where can we find you on social? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm at a pawn word uh, on all social channels. So just up and onward u-p-o-n-w-a-r-d um you can check out my website uponward.com uh send me a message i'm always happy to to chat and meet with new people and um hear their stories so yeah awesome well jeff thanks so much for uh, coming on to chat today and hopefully see you out in those beautiful santa barbara mountains or somewhere in california or out west sometime soon yeah, let me know. Let me know when you make it out here. I'd love to to get a run in with you. For sure. Thanks, John. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.